0: Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. This week, I am talking to the designer, writer, programmer, and typographer, Marcin Vahare. Until recently, Marcin was a designer at Medium, and he previously worked as a designer at Google and Code for America. But over the last year, his main work has actually been writing a book about the history of keyboards and typing. And I actually knew Marchin as a writer before I knew his design work. A few years ago, he wrote this really beautiful and personal essay on Robert Moses and the excellent biography on him, The Power Broker, by Robert Caro. And so I began following his work closely ever since then and just have really enjoyed his writing that mixes these more personal essays with reflections on his work. And while he was at Medium, he'd write these great essays on Medium's internal design process and... How they would make decisions about everything from how they coded the underlining links on the site to styling the typography. And really, this is what I love about Marchin's writing. It's just this really obsessive, really specific work and you can just tell how passionate he is about these topics so in this episode we talk about all of that we talk about how he got into writing and started working as a designer we talk about the shift to writing full-time and his experience writing this book as well as how writing has always gone hand in hand with his design process and his design work i just love Martin's brain and how he thinks and just really enjoyed talking to him for this episode If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year to receive an exclusive monthly newsletter with additional content and episode previews. These memberships really help keep the podcast going, and I just appreciate all of your support and hope you enjoy this conversation with Marcin Vihare. I was thinking about this conversation. I was thinking about you and your work, and the first time that I was introduced, or the first time that I became aware of of you and your work, was I think it was probably like 2013 or so when you published your um, your essay on Robert Moses and the Power Broker, and hmm. <laughs> I I just loved that. That essay, I, that weekend, I went out and I bought the power broker. I, I just like <laughs> got obsessed with it. I thought it was such a great kind of mix of kind of biography, of travel writing, of kind of design writing in a way. But what's interesting about it in retrospect is that my first introduction to you was through your writing. Uh, not through all of these other things you do. And so I thought that might be an interesting place to start with kind of what what came first for you. Uh, was it writing or was it more of the design stuff? Um, I think definitely
1: design. Uh, it's sort of hard to say for me because I, um, I had two starts to writing because okay. English is not my first language. Right. Uh, so I had this, uh, uh, I, 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 started getting interested in computers very early on and I, uh, for many years I considered myself a programmer yeah. and I, uh, I did all sorts of things that to me seemed like programming, but really they were from very early on human computer interaction or UX design or whatever oh, you want to call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but I think the, um, so my mom uh, used to be a librarian and oh okay
0: my My mom's a librarian too oh really (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) they should hang out (laughs)
0: language
1: barrier (laughs) but um so i'm basically i've always been surrounded by books i had this i you know i grew up in this living room just filled with books um which is why my living room is filled with (laughs) books today but there was always this deep appreciation for books and writing and um early on for me it was uh, fiction and sci-fi particularly mm. but eventually you know by the time you were reading the power broker thing clearly it, it a lot of it was non-fiction and and right. and this re- realization that non-fiction can also be literary and could be storytelling it doesn't have to be just you know fact 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 uh, so so I, I was doing all of these things with computers and somehow i learned of this magazine um, the polish magazine that uh, Publish those kind of articles that you would find maybe today in Smashing Magazine mm. or CSS Tricks, you know, uh, right. a little bit of writing and and some code that you could type in and test. And this is like 90s. Um, and I think the first article that I wrote um, uh, and it got published and I was really excited about it was about uh, transitions between color palettes which is very esoteric <laughs> yeah and yet like, yeah. credit on brand
0: uh, <laughs> right yeah i was gonna say this sounds familiar
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's sort of the same thing today you would do you know css transition and um you know whether it's is in is out right or um uh, and i wrote about it and then i wrote something about how to make a mouse pointer okay. <laughs> that looks nice right. uh, text rendering and that kind of stuff um but I was all
0: in polish right and wait and, and, and were you how old were you at this time were you in college this or, was just before college okay okay um
1: this was um in uh mid 90s i think okay uh so a few years before so high school basically okay um and and you know and completely i i was astonished that they published it. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't know how good quality <laughs> writing that was, right. but it was sort of a, 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 an exciting moment for me. And then uh, the next step in that was, um, and this is sort of where, where things are already getting kind of weird and, <laughs> okay, I love uh, it. and hard to describe, which is I got a job um, where well, I started writing for a computer games magazine in Polish okay. uh, called Gambler. And eventually i got a job there and i had a column a monthly column that um it was ostensibly about hacking games okay you know you open this file you change this hex value into this value and you get something out of it um and you know the obvious thing is you know you get more lives or more energy or whatever um but there were two non-obvious things and This is actually something i discovered myself as i was working on that one this is a really good entry point to just learning programming like understanding how binary works how hexadecimal works how games work sometimes uh, how games are designed in in a very sort of simple way you know you could get a head start right you open the disk editor and you have this specific task right i want to increase my energy or i want to like do something funny um, and then suddenly you're like comfortable with this editor to some extent. And then you start doing other things that are a little bit more, you know, let's say responsible or real or, or, right. or, or relatable. Um, but the other thing, and this is something that was even more astonishing to me, was that sometimes you would find things in those games that you that the creators of those games maybe didn't want you to find, mm-hmm. right? And then you see this over and over again now, you know, maybe there's like a secret room you can put your character somewhere that you couldn't right. buy in there or you find this resource that you know was supposed to be in a game but the the creators removed at some point or you know they they didn't plug it in but it was still there um or do some like really weird things and and uh, so you know i was um, as i was writing about this a little bit and i've i've, I've had this job for like five or six years um, um i started exploring you know instead of just like talking about Get to text editor changes value to this value like what if this itself was a story right? mm, what if, what right. if um, um and 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 you know very rudimentary ways to to just turn it into something a little bit again more literary um and 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 so i've done that i i've wrote a few other articles for a few other magazines this was before Writing for a web was a thing, really. Right, okay. Uh, at, least, at least for me, you know. <laughs> I think by that time, of course, some people were already having blogs and stuff like that. But, right, right, right. Um, but the, the sort of the big thing that changed was the um, – uh, I moved abroad. Okay. <laughs> and my sort of language uh, got reset quite a bit. You know, I, I, I wasn't very comfortable writing in English – Mm. Um I, I was very comfortable in polish. I, I really just sort of wrote in polish in a way that you know, I <laughs> It's incredible, right? You, you don't have to think about it. You just write, right? Which yeah. I think I'm getting there in English now, but but around the time you were reading that uh, power broker thing um, which was 2013 you say this is sort of around the time where I was my English gotten good enough Oh. that I, 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 I so I, I arrived at the same place uh, at least in 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 terms of um language where I thought I was in polish right 15, 20 years before um, which was good because I wasn't actually sure it's gonna happen right. <laughs> right. something I was like deathly afraid of that that you know my English is never gonna be as good and I won't be as good writing in English ever as I was in Polish, oh, and interesting. it's sort of unsolvable, right? Because my Polish is already getting worse and worse. That's the other part of it.
0: Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So wait, but I, I want to talk more about that. But I have another question just to kind of finish this thread. So, you, while you were writing about these games, you were also, were you also doing programming work, or was writing your full-time job at that time? No.
1: Yeah, no, it's never been a... Uh, writing was never really a full-time job until, okay. I guess, the book. And it's <laughs> right. hard to call it a job. <laughs> but, um, uh, the, the, the keyboard book uh, right. from from uh, last year, I guess, or this year. Um, yeah, no, it was sort of a side thing. And I've had a... Um, as, as long as... Really, starting in high school, really, or late high school, I, I've always had... Um, some sort of a job doing, uh, I guess, design slash programming.
0: Um, So I I guess what I'm kind of curious about is, you know, you're doing this this design work, this kind of programming work. You're writing about... You're you're always writing about your work in a lot of ways, or you're writing about kind of design and programming and technology, right? Like at a very Mm -hmm. early age, it seems like your interest is in... Making things but then also kind of like writing about them and thinking about them. Also, you know what I mean? Yeah, and so where'd that come from or or how do you how did you kind of think about that at the time?
1: Yeah, it's it's um, That's an interesting question. I think so. I think partly it was just um, I mean it really felt some of it it felt as rudimentary as um, people write (laughs) like like um uh, like the same way i went to get a master's degree because where i come from and sort of given my family history of background um people go and get a master's degree Mm. (laughs) that's just sort of a a a, a fact of life yeah and and i've never really considered that like not writing is an option (laughs) like the same way like not caring about books is an option maybe there's just something i think you know we 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 can talk uh, about like some of my favorite writers if if that's interesting but yeah uh, I, i think very early on i um i read Uh, some things and i was just sort of astonished that writing can be something that powerful or that poignant or that interesting or that educational and often all of those things at the same time uh, that i think without knowing i was i just started chasing that right right and started saying like well if i could ever make somebody feel what i feel when i read my favorite authors that's that's not the worst way to live, right? That's, a, <laughs> right? that's a really great goal, and and I think that had, th- there was a combination of you know facts or even science or or knowledge, but it was also this this other part which is emotion, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and 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 I think they've always felt uh, sort of coming together, um, but I think how it um, how it manifested itself for myself also was really as simple as. Uh, You know, I would write some things um, and they would get some good reception. Right. Not necessarily anything, you know, that you would today call viral <laughs> yeah But you you know you and i uh, viral is you know it's tricky like you you really don't right. really want that, yeah, yeah. that either um but uh, you know sometimes you just get a connection with one person in your audience um like, like the, the robert moses article is actually really interesting because um it felt deeply personally important for me to write it mm. in a way like, i don't i didn't have a justification that um, that it needed to exist. It really just literally and figuratively uh, retreads retreads the the, the, the Robert Caro book, right? Right, right. Um, but I thought, oh, um, wouldn't it be interesting to write something that's a little bit longer? Like right. that piece is, I think, like a, what Medium would call like a twenty minute read or thirty <laughs> minute read. I don't remember yeah. how many words. Um, uh, uh, but uh, so I just wanted to write it, and you know, I published it, and. Uh, the whole road trip felt so personally profound to me that I also just wanted to share it. I think that's the the other bigger component is like a lot of those things that I have a chance or lack or opportunity to do, they just feel important to me. They feel meaningful. Right. They feel um, fun. They feel engaging. They feel like, oh, maybe some people don't know how fun those things could be. Like hacking <laughs> right. games may be sort of obviously fun. Uh, but you know typography can be very boring and um you know you need to be this tall to to ride and and very pretentious sometimes and and yeah. also like how do you engage with typography if you're uh, not a designer uh, if let's say you're an engineer uh, this is like a, a, a much more uh, a weirder path sometimes and there are fewer people who care for that so I thought oh like sharing this would be um, uh, would be an interesting thing um, so I, I think that was that was a big component. It's just like I was trying to see whether, um, uh, like, you know, if, right. if one or th- the same way, if if one or two people, um, or five people read my piece on the power Broke. and really I didn't get that much feedback on it, so I'm like very happy that you actually mentioned <laughs> it. Oh yeah, I lo-
0: I've read it a couple times. <laughs> uh,
1: thank you. And and so so the same way, like you know, if I write a piece and a, there is something in this to, for me, and, and that's always been like a big deliberate fact mm-hmm. uh, or, or attempt to, like, you know, with each piece of writing, what am I trying for myself, right? Am I trying a new approach? Am I trying a new framework? Am I trying to be more funny? Am I trying to be more visual? Mm-hmm. Am I trying to be longer or shorter? Right. Um, uh, but the other thing was if somebody, if really just a few people say, like, Oh, like I really care about underlines now, or right. I really, I really care about typewriters or I haven't looked at this thing. Like that's already often like an, an amazing, um, connection. And I think that's, that was always like the, the moment I've, i started seeing those connections, I was just, this is amazing. Like I, I, this is sort of a way, sometimes writing is a way to find your people yeah. and, and and that's been kind of uh, one other factor.
0: I think that's I think that's a really good point. It touches on something that I've always really liked and admired about your writing. Is that and I, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, um, but it's very <laughs> y- y- it's very obsessive. Um, you know, it's like you like you said, whether it's you know retracing uh, Robert Moses's. Uh, you know, kind of construction projects, whether it's talking about the underlining on, uh, you know, the way you program the underlining on medium, or a whole book about typewriters and, and keyboards, it's 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 like these very specific topics, and you just kind of approach them with this, um you know, kind of obsession, really, I, I don't know a, yeah. a better word, but it, th- these have always been up until recently you've had full-time jobs and these are always been like side projects. So how do you, I don't want to ask how you, how you made time for it, but can you talk a little bit about just that kind of drive to share these obsessions while you were working at, you know, Google or medium or, um, uh, you know, like co for America that these were always these things that were happening on the side. Yeah, I think
1: um, that's a good question. I, I don't, huh. it's actually hard for me to explain okay. drive, to some extent, because I think it really goes back to uh, stuff in my childhood and, okay. and uh, you know, things I'm not like fully aware of. The, the funny thing is right now, like I've, I've, I actually talk to my therapist a lot about this. And, um, and the drive is um, like, it's, it's always been there. Yeah. And sometimes it's actually something I need to control. It's it's like uh, it's the opposite of what maybe like other people struggle with, which is like <laughs> you you need to reckon like you know, you need a pilot light for your drive and for me sometimes I need like a handbrake. But uh, um right. uh, uh I think it's just always been uh like something that felt rewarding um that mm. writing and even mm-hmm. being sort of as you said obsessive uh and uh, and I've over time i think i've gotten better at um defending it right mm. it, it's like you see you know i have specific examples where some of my writing actually like uh, made a difference and it's not a word shattering difference it's not a world changing thing but it's sort of you know there are um you know when when uh, that those things travel around and and people read them. Sometimes they go in like really interesting places and some people take them further. Um, And, and the same way. So, so I've always tried to find room for them. um, And I've actually at some point learned that um, like often even giving it like a quarter of a room, Mm -hmm. That, mm. so uh, I can give you an example, actually. Um, I, I've had this really interesting sort of eye-opening moment where, uh, so I wrote this piece at some point about uh, San Francisco uh, Phelan building, which oh, is this, right. um, yeah, the, the yeah, building where I, remember uh, this one. I used to work and, uh, and 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 my friend Sarah and I went and did a lot of research on that building and, and we, we, we stumbled upon this, like, almost like a fractal of discovery, like the more we dug yeah. into it, the, the more we found. And, and, and it was just a profoundly rewarding for, I think both of us in many, in many different ways. Um, and I wanted to share that. Um, but the whole piece started as a, as a so uh, we both work at medium and medium was in that building. So the whole idea was like, we're just gonna give it, give a talk to internally to all of the people at medium uh, to say, mm-hmm. Hey, we, we We actually work in this really interesting building, and here some stories that go back to nineteen oh eight and and we found them, and they're really interesting. And uh, so that was scheduled to um, go out, sorry, the, the talk was scheduled to be on Friday. And on Thursday night, I'm just like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to also have like a post <laughs> that, that 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 matches it? Yeah. And I was tired and I was just like, I don't really want to do it. And I literally just like dragged some slides and just wrote something without thinking. And and it ended up that this was um, the, uh, you know, the, the article was the thing that traveled way further than the talk. Right. Even though I thought right. I sort of phoned it in and um, I, I I discovered that really just like often uh the 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 discovery that finding all of these facts about the building running around that was already writing it right? right, was already right. uh, putting a narrative in your head and trying to structure it and then the words on paper or the words on on on, on the browser they're really just like you know the last 10 percent um and i think that that sort of reframed it to me saying like oh like you um you know, you don't have to. Writing could just be this like last bullet point on something you've already been doing, right, and yeah. and you don't have to feel as precious as like, oh well, what is my medium post this week? It's more about just let's just like write down what I was doing and let's try this one new thing, right? It's always yeah, it's always be one new thing. So I think that helped in in sort of like justifying also just spending time on it and even, you know, sometimes talking to your manager or uh or you know prioritizing against other things which is always something you have to do
0: right yeah well and you know you had mentioned you know that the the that san francisco piece was while you were working at medium and i was curious about your time at medium and and kind of the the relationship there the the overlap there between your your actual job at medium as a designer but then also the fact that you are designing essentially a writing platform, how that influenced (laughs) your writing or encouraged your writing in a sense, uh, while you're kind of helping build this, but then you're using it too. How did that, what was that like? So that's actually like multiple
1: overlapping Venn diagrams, which (laughs) is really funny because, uh, not only I, uh, I, I became a better writer because I was working at medium and oh. I wanted to write on medium. But also I started a book about keyboards because there were typewriters at medium offices. Oh, so it's all, oh, wow. it's all very, uh, it's like a Genesis story, but no, uh, yeah, I think the, um, what was kind of great uh, for, uh, because you're right. Like I working at medium and writing, um, on medium at medium, in the immediately <laughs> when i was there um was uh, like this inflection point where i started feeling comfortable with my writing in english yeah um and, and part of it was um that you know there's this platform for writing um it would be kind of good to get to know it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get to sort of imagine um what it means for other people to use it with all of this You know, there's the part, of course, the mechanics of writing and the editor and and the UI around that. But there's sort of this bigger part about, like, what do you write about? How do you deal with feedback? How do you build, uh, like, a body of work, which Mm -hmm. is something that, you know, I think very few tools, uh, Medium doesn't really do um, that much to sort of celebrate your body of work, but there is something you have to think of as a writer, right? Or as any, any practitioner is, is, I mean, you alluded to this earlier. uh, How do you, you know, what's your next piece? How do you not fall trap to like the second system syndrome, you know, like the next thing has to be like the last thing, but more viral. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So, so, um, how do you fall, you know, like, do you try to write something funny? Do you write to, Try to write something longer, something different, how do you stretch yourself and that kind of stuff. But there's another thing that really, really helped, which is something I didn't realize until way after leaving Medium, which is a a, a great group of people at Medium were just really um, people who were good storytellers Mm. or there were people who wanted to write. There are people who, sort of like me a long time ago, for whom uh, writing was just a thing you do. Right. So, so so, there was, you know, there was the regular medium and there was the internal medium just for medium employees that we used sort of like oh. an intranet. Yeah. Uh, and, and that created a lot of really interesting pressures uh, because, you know, medium is not necessarily the best tool to write technical documentation <laughs> or to write yeah. what I expect. Um, You know, so uh, we suffered quite a bit because there were no indented bullet points or all sorts of other things. But it also created this pressure for people to just tell stories, to to describe everything as, um, you know, a new product feature, a new improvement, uh, something very technical as a story. And that's like profoundly important and interesting. It's not necessarily the best way to approach everything. Sometimes the dry right. tech spec is really what you want, right? right. Or, or just a set of mocks. But it really like uh, created this uh, opportunity. It was very easy to just run with it if you wanted to do. And I, and I, and I just found it really enjoyable to run with it. And, and at some point, really, so, so the sort of linchpin for me was uh, the underlined post, which I wrote in yeah. early 2014, which was this like very, um, again, sort of ad hoc Story about creating a perfect underline for Medium. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being like this personal story slash CSS exploration slash whatever. Um, but how it started, it was an internal doc um, mm. it published at this internal version of Medium just for people inside. And an F was uh, like, um, you should just publish it externally. And I'm like, wait why like, <laughs> nobody's gonna care <laughs> like really this thing was just like no i mean why and 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 he pushed me and I had some other people uh, you know plus one his idea and then it ended up being like something that a lot of people reacted to very positively that surprised me but then it sort of encouraged me well if if they did that if like i could write more and 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 i don't yeah. have to be as precious about you know, a big part of it was of, of course, also imposter syndrome, right? Like, right. What do I know about underwrites? Really? Turns out I do. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, so I think that was uh, So those those three components, right, the, 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 the fact that that medium like using medium was just something I had to do uh, to become a better designer. Um, uh, the 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 fact that uh, uh, there was a lot of encouragement, um, mm-hmm. From people, and the fact that 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 a lot of people around me were just like really good at telling those stories, and right. it felt like it's just something natural to do.
0: That that's so interesting to me, and it was something I wanted to ask you about, especially with that underlying piece. But a lot of the pieces that you wrote about medium, uh, it's interesting to hear that Ev kind of encouraged you to make that public, because I I, I want to say this in a way that's not um, so, so critical, but a lot of writing from like in-house tech. A lot of a lot of like tech companies now and startups have like public facing mm-hmm. design teams where the designers write about their process. And mm-hmm. it it often to me comes across as a, a a bit of a kind of like shallow recruiting tool. You know, it's just to try to kind of hire other designers often, and it doesn't actually say much about the process or about a lot of the deep thinking behind it and medium and the stuff that you wrote about the process at medium never came across that way it always was very thoughtful and very very kind of deep and and also like educational you know and how i i (laughs) <laughs> I guess I'm I guess the question that, that I'm trying to get to is was that something that was kind of very institutional there? Was that it sounds like that was encouraged, but then also how did how did you think about that? Was that also kind of writing that was just for yourself to kind of help you kind of work through these things?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's always like like writing. There always needs to be a component of like something for you. Uh, I think because that's sort of how you keep keep it interesting. Right. And keep mm-hmm. uh if you have a chance, of course, I think I think that the there are very like if there's one thing I learned uh, being at medium is that writing can be anything, and people <laughs> write for all sorts of different reasons and they write um, uh, to achieve all sorts of different things. And you know some of those things I can't speak to, some of those things I don't really understand. <laughs> um, uh, I think medium taught me to like how to be deliberate about writing and how to sort of approach, how to look at it and say, like, what am I trying to accomplish here? What What is in it for me? What is in it for the audience? Mm-hmm. Was it in it for the platform in the case of Medium, right? Sometimes, like, I would try the new feature and see how it feels. Like, the same way I more recently um, started experimenting with, like, Twitter threads as, right. as a way to do storytelling. And sometimes, like, doing sort of... Um, by the way, I'm not the only person doing it. Of course, there's so many people doing really incredible things with, with this building blocks of tweets. Yeah. Um, but I ended up just like pushing it in some deliberate ways and then like even writing feedback to back to Twitter saying, right. hey, this oh, yeah. is what I learned. Does this mean anything to you? Let me know. Right. Um, uh, but uh, I think uh, to Medium's credit, uh, Medium as a company, um, and i uh, you know, there's only so many companies I know personally, so I don't know how they re- how they yeah, compare yeah, yeah. to any other company. Um, w- there, there was no sort of big style guide of how to write about things or like make mm. sure to include the footer where you where we say we're hiring
0: right or, right, right.
1: or make sure to like you know put in this this uh, party line or this mm-hmm. key talking mm-hmm. point uh throughout or this pull quote saying like isn't medium amazing like there was never anything like this there was never a pressure and and i think like i think the word authenticity is something i think a lot about although I have no idea what it means really <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps changing but I no I really just like I really just approach it from the standpoint like this is really interesting to me Um, I think it might be interesting for others, right? So let's try to find a good balance between like, this is going to be good for me to write it down because then it will, you know, it, it forces you to sharpen your argument. It forces you to explain some things that are obvious to you. It forces you to, to, to be sort of more honest with some of those things. Um, but you know, what, what, what can I write, uh, about what can I do here that can also make it interesting to other people? Right. Yeah. Um, like, like at, I worked at Google before medium, the, the sort of like early building blocks about talking about my career started there. And I think the one that I was really incredibly proud of, um, was this, um, uh, 2011 talk at the conference, Google IO, oh, which yes. was, which was called the secrets of Google Pac-Man. Oh, so that right. was, was something I worked on. And, um, and a year later we did this talk. Uh, but the way we did this talk uh, with, with my uh, friend and co-worker, Ryan Geramik, who was leading the Doodle team, uh, we decided to do it a game show, to mm-hmm. make it a game show. So, uh, But it was a game show which was sort of realized in HTML5 and CSS3. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and, you know, the video That's of it great. is up there and it's really fun to watch. Uh, uh, I think it was just like really fun time. Uh, but we sort of had to fight for it a little bit, right? Because right. To your earlier point like google io had this idea of what a talk should be and what's the structure and i think some of those ideas are good right because like it's being a public speaker is really hard and sometimes having a scaffolding of what to do helps but we were trying to do something else and we really had to make a point saying like this is highly experimental this is gonna possibly be very weird or blow up in some really embarrassing way but if it works it's gonna be kind of extraordinary and and hopefully and then we will make an effort to build all of this um, uh, sort of safety hatches or barriers that if it blows up, it's still something else,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is literally what we also did for doodles, right? Like <laughs> doodles were highly experimental and they had a chance of blowing it. And some of them blew up and then we had to take <laughs> them down because they were like interacting with the browser in some way we didn't predict. But a lot of them ended up being kind of kind of fun as a result. So uh, I, I think that's also like the other thing, which is like the, the, the parallels. Right. Like something like, yeah, like the the, um, the, the underlying medium post was just paralleling how like I felt about medium and medium front end at that time. And it felt outstanding in that way. But yeah. So so I think uh, Google was, you know, bigger and, and and it needed a little bit more um, of conversation around it. But with medium, I, I just wrote it and I actually was thinking, like, should I rewrite it to be a little bit more polished? Or whatever, and everybody's like, "No, no, just publish it." <laughs> yeah. just publish it. <laughs> nice. I mean, at some point, I think uh, we had this publication called Inside Medium, where we actually literally just published internal posts mm. with very little context, uh, because that's also sometimes fun.
0: Yeah. Did did this might be a weird question, um, but but hearing you talk about that, I'm curious. Did writing writing those pieces kind of about the, writing these short essays kind of about the design process whether it's at medium or even even the the pac-man stuff at Google and just anytime that you're writing about your design process does that act of writing change kind of how you think about <laughs> the design itself um, or how you kind of approach the Similar design problems after the fact. I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think the scary and slash interesting
1: part about a lot of this is, um, it 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 sort of goes under your skin in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you uh, like it, it's 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 like um, to give you an example. I have this uh, favorite author, uh, Polish author called uh, named Stanisław Lem who used to write a lot of. Uh, ostensibly sci fi, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. He was really a philosopher and a, and a, and a very smart person. <laughs> and, and he had to write sci fi because of the sort of political um, oh, yeah, environment yeah. in Poland and, and the sort of like the only way to talk about the things he wanted to talk about in communist Poland was sci fi, maybe, um, uh, uh, because you could sort of cloak it just a little bit to pass the censorship. Right. But so, his, but like, I keep literally, so his books are you know really in the 50s 60s 70s i'm i still keep finding new things in them mm-hmm. um, uh, that resonate with me uh, you know early on as as a you know as a teenager who likes science right. and then later on as a designer Uh, surprisingly because his books have nothing to do with design um and then more recently as a writer right like the idea of like building uh worlds how do you communicate you know how uh, like the the book that i'm (laughs) uh, the book that i'm writing about keyboards i have this set of um before committing one word to paper i wrote this document saying what do i want this book to be Mm. Like, well, what am I trying to accomplish here? What do I want to avoid? Because that felt very important to me, right? As a sort of this guiding. um, And some of those things change, of course, uh, because you have to allow them to change. But like one of my ideas was, for example, um, this book should start with a cold open. (laughs) There should not be a chapter that says, I want to thank all of these people. And in chapter one, I'm going to talk about this. And in chapter two, I'm going to talk about this other thing. And in chapter five, like, no, I like just... He hit the ground running, and 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 sort of you know, which is sort of a literally almost cinematic yeah. way to approach. Yeah. This. this is something I picked from Lamb, right? But mm. like, I I might have never realized this if I didn't like think about it more uh, recently. The same way, like I really like uh, William Langevich, which is uh, oh, I don't know that famous. name. He's um he's a, a journalist who writes. He's still around. He writes uh, a lot about. Like aviation, marine, space accidents. Like um, he has this niche, not exclusively, but he writes really well about, for example, like what happened when Air France four four seven, you know, crashed in in wherever it crashed, and explains the technology and explains the sort of like the human interactions with technology, and but he does so in this like very literally in this very poetic. Way, mm, yeah. That almost feels like, like sort of like it's in the same way sa- some of the uh, the power broker right. does. You know, it, it's just like this, this, this surprisingly literary parts to a book that doesn't really feel like it needs them. But anyway, William Langewisch has this like incredibly amazing way to finish an essay that just leaves you <laughs> just like blindsided. Yeah. So it's not just like oh. I already know everything, it's still two more pages, I guess I have to read it. It's more just it's like, wait, you just ended this?
0: Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: it's not, it's not a cliffhanger. It, it doesn't leave you like, oh, something's missing. It's more about just like, oh my God, this was perfect. Like that. now it sits in my heart and in my head for days because I, you know, it just, just left me this like very poignant note. Oh, that's and amazing. And this is something I also wanted to steal. Yeah um so so in a way like i definitely think to go back to your question um i definitely think more for example if i want to design something or if i want to propose a feature um how i'm gonna how i'm gonna talk about this or how am i gonna defend this like what is the thing that makes it worth doing over these other things and often it really goes back to just storytelling right it mm-hmm. goes back to um, sometimes it feels a little bit like cheating right like, <laughs> yeah uh, um but sometimes it is it is a way to say to tie this design feature or this product feature or this improvement to people right to like right. who's who's actually gonna be using it for what um and um and so in that sense, uh, I think definitely. But I'm not sure about... And of, of course, in the same same way, you know, you collaborate with other people on design project, you know, yeah, the communication yeah. is very important. But I don't know if, if if it changes anything else, like in a way that I would recognize.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Let's, um, I mean, because you mentioned, you mentioned things that you're kind of taking from other writers for the book. So let's talk about, uh, about the book for a little bit. Because, you know, we also talked about you know, this kind of, you know, how you can kind of get obsessed with these like kind of little details <laughs> and then just go. Uh, but none of them have made you quit your job to try to, you know, <laughs> write full time. So what, what is it about how how'd this come about? What is it about keyboards that kind of, you realize <laughs> this was like, this is the thing where you're going to write longer. You're going to kind of really dedicate time to this. Um,
1: I think it was a confluence of a bunch of things. Um, one was that uh, and this is something i think i i want to be more deliberate about promoting which is i've had a bunch of examples in my life where i started looking at something and thinking i should explore this and and i would uh, as i was exploring i would discover like oh my god this is way more complex than i thought yeah and i should really explore it even more you know you end up this i think i used the word fractal right I, yeah, yeah yeah and Hackman was that and the phelan building was that and the robert moses of course i mean there's the power right. broker that's already like 1600 pages really dense pages of of of, of just talking about this one guy yeah. um and keyboards turned out to be that and i think I, I i i learned a little bit about how to notice right how to pay attention when i when I approach something and it starts feeling like a fractal, mm. <laughs> um, so mm. and I think to me it just gives me such a profound joy, and and uh, and and it's so rewarding to uh, to you know just keep discovering something more and more and keep seeing all of these connections that maybe nobody's seen or keep finding those little things in the corners that are like left forgotten and then try to tie them together, right? And try to right. tell stories around them and try to make them interesting, like the way they already feel interesting to me. So so there was this one thing, like I've, as I mentioned, like I, I started looking at keyboards more carefully at medium because they were just around. Right. Every conference room had a typewriter and I was just like, oh, this is interesting. Like it doesn't quite look like a keyboard today, but also it sort of does what's different about it and and you know i gave a talk internally that i gave a talk externally then i you know wrote a few articles that i just meant to publish as medium posts and and then as i was doing that i was just like oh my god wait there's enough here for a book i literally hmm. did like a calculation of <laughs> word count, um and said like wait i've always wanted to write a book i never knew what to do and now I feel comfortable with my English. And now I have this thing that sort of feels like it could be a book length. Right. Um, so that was sort of like one thing um, that, you know, and, and really it, it wasn't like a revelation, right? Like it wasn't like one day I was just like, oh my God, here's the book. Here's my life's work. Yeah. It, it really took me years because like I look at the keyboards and I just like put them aside for half a year. And and I think there's another thing, right? You you learn that if if, if an idea comes back to you and captures you again, that means a lot. Yeah. Right? That, that means that like you, it might be that thing that will, because you know, writing a book, like it's going to suck quite yeah. a lot of times. There's going to be moments where we just like want to throw it um, against the wall and just like never looked at it again, like first figuratively, then literally if you have something uh, already printed. But like, um, and if something comes back to you and captures you again, that that's a high chance that it will just have its own energy that mm-hmm. we just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, like give you, give you enough of a boost at the, mo- with the at the time you need that boost. So there was that recognition that like, oh, those keyboards keep coming back to me, right? And it's funny because now I, I see some stuff that I worked on like literally in college that was around keyboards that I completely forgot about. Oh, wow. So, so that means that's always been there. You know, yeah, like yeah. Somewhere. That's and amazing. I'm just like, I just started recognizing that but there was also other things like there was you know there was the the fact that you know to be perfectly honest like um, my job at medium was starting not to be as much fun as it used to be mm-hmm. um, so there was sort of the recognition of that there was also the recognition of getting older and and saying you know like yeah when will I write that book? Right,
0: like, right. Like I, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Even though it's really scary, and and I didn't really even quit the job. I took a sabbatical for three months, oh. so I had to, like,
0: oh, I didn't know that. The, um,
1: you know, I was I was very cautious about it. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and then really, for for a better part of last year, I was just sort of approaching it as, um, hey, let's see if I'm enjoying writing a book, and and the the one guiding principle for that was, um, I need to enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Like I need to enjoy um, you know um, doing this because I already know that like at the end of the day you get this book and it actually might be disappointing in many ways right there's this the, mm. the end of the creative process is always tricky <laughs> right like yeah. you you have this memory of like things you haven't done right or things are not perfect you find this one typo and it almost ruins the whole project for you <laughs> like you know you get this review from somebody who's a little bit critical and maybe even for a good reason and it like. Right. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. also this like weird elation, right? You just like you you, you carried this thing on your shoulder for years and now it's gone and it feels hollow, right? And it's right. Like, this sense of hollowness. It's just I mean it's 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 part of it. So I was like, okay, what do I do to just have fun or have not fun, but you know, make it rewarding, make it interesting, as I'm doing this. Um, and I was also like part of the deal. Right. Um, and and so uh so i sort of wor- it took me like years to warm up to this idea and i'm still i'm still warming up to <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah
1: so at this point i know the book's gonna come out presumably next year okay. um and uh, and i there's still a lot of work but i you know we're all sort of over the hump yeah. um and but you know the the process itself i've really profoundly enjoyed like just talking to Twitter about it, having a newsletter, having all of these side projects, yeah. having types of the book, uh, trying out all sorts of things, um, uh, making connections with people, and just like really learning so much about this thing that I, I feel like I'm already ahead,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, I, I'm so excited to read. I, I obviously read the newsletter and, and follow you on Twitter, and I just like when you first announced it, it, it I, like, I shouldn't have. I was just like keyboards, like a whole book about keyboards. Is that possible? <laughs> uh, and then you know, now a couple years later, it's like, oh wow, there's I. I so I'm I'm very excited uh, yeah. to and, read it.
1: Yeah, and I think that the, the uh, that's the interesting part that that I I again I sort of I kept warming up to. Uh, many years which is this idea of like yeah it's a book about keyboards but it's really i want to make it a book about people right um people using keyboards about people designing keyboards about people being shaped by keyboards in many ways and this is something that really goes back to Lamb, uh, who yeah. wrote sci-fi but he really wrote about people or the power broker or william mm-hmm. langer vision mm-hmm. all of this mm-hmm. you know the the soul of a new machine all of these books i read they're really not about the tech i've i've also like i've had such a a great amount of luck and and um, and 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 enjoyment uh, volunteering at the Computer History Museum oh, uh, yeah. around like I don't know ten years ago or so, where you know I was a um, at some point I was a docent. Oh wow! And I was just um, walking pre- people through. Well, at that point was just really nothing more than a warehouse filled with computers. <laughs> uh, there was sort of a temporary you know um, building. And and uh, other docents and curators uh, just taught me how really it's all about people, right? Like the, right. the story, yeah. the story of the Pixar computer. There was, by the way, a Pixar computer. Pixar used to be a computer company, right. which yeah. nobody remembers. But this is not a story of you know how many megahertz or how many pixels or how. Yeah many things it had it's the story of uh, about George Lucas and Steve Jobs it's the story about the movies it's the story about all of these other things right like 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 yeah. the um, the story about the IBM, it's not really the story about the Model M keyboard or the IBM PC Model 5150 at 477 megahertz from right. August 12 1981. I know all of these things, but really it is the story of, you know, this this big company that's trying to do something else and this German immigrant in the late 19th century trying to solve the issue of a census and and you know Herman Hollerith and you talk about him and and so the same way the the story of And this is sort of what makes it real. This is what makes it interesting to more people. And the same way, like, the sort of keyboards is, is, you know, uh, it's not a story about, you know, is is Cormac more effective than Dvorak (laughs) or is, um, like, it's not the story about the text packs. It's not the story about like what happens when you press shift or art F4. It's right. sort of a story about what it all means right. and, and a, a story, and and that's and, and that thing, the keyboard has been around with us for 150 years, mm-hmm. um, and it's changed quite a bit, but it also didn't change at all, which is profound to me. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the fact interesting. That, where is you still query. It's the same thing as in, like, 1873, uh, which is almost unprecedented. Um, But, you know, you end up with this quirky thing just being our companion through the last 150 years. And a lot of really interesting things happened in the last 150 years. Like, typewriters helped offices to become what they are today. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one thing, for example, it's already amazing. Like, like uh, keyboards allowed... Um, internet to happen and i think that's sort of the interesting part about writing is that i care about and uh which is like everything that's worth writing about i think it's just complicated
0: <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs>
1: and find ways to like demystify some things or uh, or tell them like you can start working on things that are complicated sometimes and 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 working on them would help you understand them um and or you know all sorts of other things like you know, like you can just pick at bits and pieces of that, and also like things don't have to have a clean resolution. You can still talk about it, and it could still right. make an interesting story, even if there's no closure in a sort of traditional sense.
0: How has your writing process changed from? There, I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of changes with the book from the other things that you write. And one, uh, it's longer it is kind of your main thing now, it's less about kind of writing about, you know, whether your design process or tools, it's like this whole new thing. How is how is the the writing process changed for you over the last couple of years?
1: Uh, this was something I very deliberately wanted to do with the book, which is uh, try out this idea that I could be a professional writer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to me, that didn't mean necessarily getting paid for your writing, um, which I think is sort of how people would describe a professional <laughs> anything um, yeah but sort of you know writing when you don't feel like you feel like writing or uh, <laughs> writing about something you're not really excited about oh, or yeah. you know those kind of things uh, uh, and so for me it was part of it was um, creating a like creating a repeatable environment for writing mm. which is funny like because before I would write at the office I would write in a coffee shop you know, and you can do that sometimes when the inspiration strikes, that's, yeah. that, you know, sometimes you catch it and run with it. But here I, I just invested in having a nice desk, <laughs> <laughs> having a nice keyboard, which is very meta, right. having a yeah. nice set of lights in the, in my office. Um, so I can sort of feel good about it. Um, and having a routine. Uh, and I was worried that the, um, you know, making it quote unquote professional is going to sort of, Make it feel less magical, right? Make yeah. it feel like a job, uh, but I learned, and which is funny because it shouldn't really be surprising to me. But I learned that like you just exchange a bunch of uh, things for another set of things, and they're not necessarily worse; they're just different, right. right? So there is a certain pride where you like sit down in the morning, and be like. Uh, this thing i don't really want to write about this i don't or i don't know how to write about it yeah uh, nothing quite connects in my head and um, and then like two days later you're just like i got it it works i think i think it works so i think for me partly was just like coming like figuring out the process right um and and, and sticking to it um then figuring out the right balance so i was writing out of order you know i have like a lot of chapters but i don't write them from chapter one to chapter whatever oh, okay. um and and so for example fi- so that creates a bunch of tensions later on when you you know you <laughs> contact them uh and you you can leave a bunch of breadcrumbs saying you know once you finish this other chapter make sure to come back to this one and tie it better and mm. um, but uh, this allows you to you know say well i just wrote this really tough chapter and let's just pick something fun now Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah, yeah. to offset that, and and then you know, uh, and then do the opposite if that goes well. Um, so so there was there was one thing. The other thing is just, and this is again going back to the idea of having a body of work. And this is something that I would, um, I would know, I would love to sort of evangelize better, uh, because the one thing that you see once you start doing something more and more and more is you see patterns. Yeah. So, so the funny thing for me about uh, writing is that whenever I sit down to a new chapter, it's a blank page, and it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it always hurts. Uh, I thought it might be, maybe it would, but every time you sit down, it's just like, oh, my God, I don't know how to start. I don't know, like, this is you know i've i've done so many chapters but this one feels like uh, that's the one that's, that's going to kill me <laughs> right. right like it always feels the same way but and that doesn't go away but what comes as a sort of secondary thing is this memory of like wait i felt like this before yeah <laughs> i've felt yeah. like this 10 20 times and somehow i ended up doing that so i just need to power through and i think that's that's profound and so in that sense it gets easier but not in the obvious way right it gets easier through the recognition that um, oh, this just this is just gonna hurt for an hour, right? And then it's just gonna hurt less. And then the last the last thing for me was um, how it changed is that I learned to just portion it better because the book is sort of like a very like it's too overwhelming when you look at it just mm-hmm. as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so I so for example like I I I said like I'm just gonna treasure little bits and pieces of it and reward myself for them um and i'm never gonna think too much about what's next i'm gonna think about what's what's like literally next like what's the next chapter to write what's the next task to do what's the next email to do but i'm not gonna worry about like the mountain of you know 383 tasks that remain between now and the book being published but to give you an example of how i approach this is i just have a sticky note uh, wall where I have all of the chapters. Oh and each yeah, chapter's yeah. I've seen
0: I've seen you on. post pictures of this. Yeah, and
1: it's just like it's
0: the simplest idea ever, right? Like
1: <laughs> how innovative it is to have a sticky note wall. But it's so rewarding to like, you know, when you finish a chapter to unstick the one and the orange sticky note and put in the pink one that signifies you're done with this chapter and have this like tiny reward. Um, yeah. For this like task that you know before it would be the whole task, right? Reading a medium post, do you end here? Right and now you have this like forty-seven other chapters that you have to write, um, but you just like keep keep the sticky note in your hand and be like, "This is amazing, and let's do the next one, and let's not worry too much."
0: How do you kind of think about dividing your time between the like the reading, the research? I've seen on Twitter those stacks of books <laughs> that you're going yeah. through to research, like doing that to the actual writing part and how do those fit together and how do you feel like the research is is kind of like contributing to the writing (laughs) and it's like it's not wasting time you know um how do you how do you think about that kind of all the the stuff around the writing that's not writing
1: this is actually um this ended up being like a very important and tricky part because yeah, i learned and this is maybe a surprise to nobody who writes books uh, who <laughs> writes books for a living at least on fiction books which is the writing part is really not that much work <laughs> uh it is often the most sort of excruciating and tricky for all the reasons that writing can be you know scary and yeah. and overwhelming but like the amount of time i'm just um Filing things into the right folders on my computer right. is just like way more. <laughs> um, uh, I um, so I think this is this is the one where um, yeah. So this is like research, uh, reading other books, reading emails, reading websites, talking to people, interviewing people, mm-hmm. uh, visiting museums, mm-hmm. all of those kind of things. Um, I really wish there was a way for somebody to tell me. You've done enough because (laughs) I honestly don't know. Like, I honestly don't. That's interesting. Yeah. Research can be infinite, right? I think that's the challenge. Um, Like, there's always, you know, I'm pretty sure somewhere um, in the universe there's a drawer where there's a document that explains exactly why QWERTY is QWERTY. Mm. But nobody has seen it yet and we can all speculate and we do speculate, but it's all speculation But you know, should I expend an effort to try to find a drawer? Um, right how much right like that. That's Yeah, part. that's hard the other thing. So I basically I just trust myself to give it time to not rush it um, uh, and to uh, Make sure that you know when I look back at a week there's some forward momentum and there's some forward momentum towards this book seeing the light of day Mm -hmm. right so so for example it's incredibly rewarding for me to spend five hours just filing things you know people send me people send me amazing tweets now because i'm sort of very loud about writing this book so people send me tweets there's new articles all the time there's still new books that i find um it's very rewarding to just You know dragging those things in the right folders yeah Uh, uh, but it's sort of ultimately that's not gonna help for this book to see the light of day so i want to make sure that um i've also like you know send it to some editors or send it to some people and do something that is actually on the road um towards you know um this book eventually being published and having some sort of like trying to think of a framework where like, at some point, I say, I'm done with this part, right? <laughs> Which is going to be incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, what's the goal for the second draft? What's the goal for a third draft? Uh, I don't know how many drafts are going to be there, but I, I sort of hope that at some point I will say, like, I'm done here. Right. Um, and, and I think I have enough of a structure in my head to think about um, how that's going to look. And enough of a... Uh, sort of comfort uh, to say this needs to be finished even though it doesn't feel complete and that's like that's really scary yeah again like the funny thing is that like that that book like you asked me about like what led to this book i think the unsung hero of this book is things like um you know the film building article mm-hmm. the pac-man book, um all of the stuff i wrote about typography the, this series of like fifteen or so posts that I had about presenting things using HTML. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Which like again, very few people read. But this was like a building block towards like, oh, I made something that's pretty long. Um, I've done this project where I had to like translate a whole movie. Um, oh yeah. So there was so so I was building up this idea of like you know longer and longer projects uh, that I can I learn how to finish them. You know, I learned right. that at some point I would be like, I'm done. And sometimes it's creating an arbitrary deadline. Sometimes it's creating an arbitrary. It's all arbitrary, by the way. <laughs> uh, but you sort of learn that it has to be right. And, right. and you learn, learn to be comfortable and, 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 and you learn about like, what are the fights you don't want to pick? And what are the fights that you're going to be uh, comfortable uh, spending a lot of time on the quote unquote battlefield? Yeah, I love that.
0: I hesitate asking this next question, but I am curious. Like, what are some other things that you're thinking about right now that aren't keyboard related or what are, are you know is there anything else even at this point like what else what else are you interested in right now
1: <laughs> yeah it's scary because um like yes i have all of these ideas i want to work on them right now right. and I, ha- I have to say like you know i dedicated myself to this um monogamous relationship with this book um <laughs> Sometimes I do take like a little detours, uh, but I, I really try to scope them because you know, you, you also have to leave a breathing room yeah. uh, for this book to sort of not take over and become this. I really do strongly believe like sometimes those projects can uh just outstay their welcome forever and if you're not very careful yeah you you know you 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 can i can very easily start hating this book if i just like i'm in it all the time so sometimes i create this like little buffers you know this like this air bubbles Mm -hmm. that could be like okay let's do some other creative thing that's completely different and and one thing that i've been doing this year which is also something i need to do for (laughs) uh uh, fiscal reasons but (laughs) you know i'm I'm freelancing so i try to find a, a different balance between like having a freelancing job for a few months and then the book takes a little bit of a backseat and then, you know, do a book oh, for yeah. a little bit. So that's an interesting new model that I'm trying out. But uh, no, there are, um, I would love to write more books. Uh, there's a book about typography that's sort of like the obvious one for me to write, <laughs> actually. I'm not saying that, you know, it's obvious that in a sense that it's going to be good or that anybody's going to care to read it. But I've done enough work in typography. Yeah. that it, it feels like there's something there um, to put, uh, as a structure, but I'm also really like the thing that I would love to try to tackle next, which feels very important to me is the idea of design quality mm. and design details and, um, how to actually talk about those things in a way that's not, um, I felt like it's, um, I haven't seen much and maybe I haven't, maybe there are things out there, um, please email me if you hear that uh, <laughs> you know of them they talk about design details in a in an interest in like a, a holistic way yeah but i've seen a lot of talking about design details as like nice to have polish or cute um little things uh, delight is the word that's
0: getting
1: <laughs> so yeah. about. but i think there's so much more to details there's so much more to like meaningful details versus um details that are really not important you know there's that's there's, there's a lot about are the details for the user are the details for the product are the details for the design team are the details for something else right like that they could serve all sorts of different reasons like you know if your design team is slow on morale maybe they would want to do that for a little bit <laughs> yeah if it's not yeah. useful uh, maybe that's something you deploy but sometimes you have to You know, reach to the designer and say, hey, you're spending all of this time working on this transition curve like I did in my first article (laughs) a long time ago. And maybe that's actually like, let's find a detail that is more meaningful and you're still going to maybe have fun working on, but it's also going to like, you know, and fit into the narrative for for the product is going to maybe be recognized or be actually more useful, right? So so, so, how do you have conversations about that? How do you measure those things? How do you recognize um, what's good and what's unnecessary? Yeah. Uh, what's crucial and what's optional? Um, and sometimes, you know, design details can actually work against the product, right? Like if you have a really nice animation in a bad place in the UI, it can actually slow things down or can annoy the user yeah. or, or do all of those things. So sort of exploring that part um, and, and trying to find a better vocabulary for that and, 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 you know, stand on the shoulders of a few giants who've already done some thinking around that. I think that would be extraordinary. And, and, um,
0: yeah, I'm uh, so, I'm kind of, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of mad that we, you bring this up at the end. Cause I could talk to you about that for, <laughs> for another hour, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think like, I, but I'm actually not sure whether it's writing or like, I have this idea of doing a YouTube channel, oh, interesting. um, uh, which, Solely because I've never done a YouTube channel. <laughs> I've done public speaking, which is sort of related, right? It's it's in some way very similar. Um, but I've been really impressed by a bunch of people who found ways to turn the like, YouTube videos into what I really consider a new art form, yeah. um, a new way of, of, of telling stories. So maybe that would be something I would want to do. And maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a series of articles. Uh, But like maybe it talks, but exploring this idea of um, what does it mean for uh, design details uh, to exist in like a very holistic way? You know, how do you prioritize them against um, other features? How do you go back? And this is something I learned from researching the book. How do you borrow from history? Yeah. That there's so much we could just steal from the past of design or even the past of engineering. But, uh, you know, some mm-hmm. of like some of those things are mm-hmm. buried there. And I would love to find ways to bring them back as not just as historical anecdotes of like, oh, isn't this cute? But more about like, hey, this is like the groundwork. This is the baseline we could start yeah. from. And it shouldn't constrain you. It should just—it um, it could just be a catalyst, or a bit just just elevate your work.
0: My last question. This is a question that I, I end all of these conversations with. And you've mentioned a couple authors already, but I'm I'm curious if there are other books or writers or authors who have really uh, kind of influenced you, influenced how you think about writing, influenced how you think about design, just kind of all of these things we've talked about. Who are the who are the people on that reading list that are must reads? Yeah, so I mentioned a bunch, and
1: um, so I, I, will, I will repeat Stanislaw Lem, who's okay. been translated to English. Um, uh, his books are just sort of extraordinary for me in the sense there are, like, uh, good, enjoyable sci-fi But there's also like much more depth behind Mm -hmm. them. And this is something I really gravitate towards, like something that appears mainstream or tries very hard to actually appeal to mainstream. But there is something more if you're interested in in exploring more. I think that's like a place where I really want to be myself. (laughs) Um, Like I can't write uh, academic articles because um, um, like I'm just not wired that way. Uh, but I think there is value, for example, bringing ideas from more esoteric, academic or engineering universes towards mainstream and, yeah. and try to get excited about them. So I think Lem does it very well. Um, I mentioned other things. The, the one thing that was foundational for me in uh, really my um, upbringing as a designer and, it's, and again, something that I really consciously or subconsciously chase is Jeff Ruskin's writing? Oh uh, yeah, Jeff Jeff Ruskin, um, who um, well, his I think only book uh, is the Humane Interface um, from 2001, where he writes largely about his work on Canon Cat and some other interfaces uh, that he worked before. But the way he writes about them and this combination of Sort of scientific rigor and creativity and um, and pragmatism uh, but also uh, this sort of academic underpinnings of some of his thinking like he talks you know he introduced me to Fitz law which Mm. is just which is just a formula if you don't contextualize this but he contextualized it very well and and it's and, and and it's just really funny and well written and very opinionated and it's just this that, that confluence of things. He he wrote a bunch of uh, memos while at Apple back in the 70s and 80s that are also public. They're just like joyful to read. Yeah. You know, he's one of the people like like Lem or Langewisch who um, who or um, Roger Ebert, another person oh, who yeah. I admire. Um, and, and by the way, I feel very um, self conscious these days about all of these men, all of these <laughs> names, men, and and I that's something. You know, I need to be better at, and I and I'm trying to be better at these yeah. days to don't re, don't just read white men, um, but like the way all of these people that I mentioned um, were very playful with language uh, in a way that wasn't just there for you to enjoy. It wasn't just there for like oh this sentence is amazing. I'm just gonna like put it on my t-shirt. No, it was there for you know larger purpose. But but it was it, it was it's just so pleasant to read. Uh, just on a language level, right? Like some yeah. of those are just so well crafted that it adds that another layer of just just like gliding through the book. Right. And And um, so I think, um, yeah, Jeff Raskin. Like
0: it, again, one day maybe I write something as good as. Jeff did. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for this conversation and for talking to me. Like I said, I'm a big fan of. Of you and and of your work, I can't wait to read the book. And I just thought this was such an interesting conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you. This episode was recorded on July eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and at ScratchingTheSurface.fm. Thanks for listening.